number one. I want to point something out to you this morning that I hope will be a great help to you, a great encouragement to you. But before I do, I'd like to ask you this question. And it's a great question and one to really think about. And the question is this. How do you wish to be remembered? How do you wish to be remembered? As a Christian... I trust that you would hope to be remembered as a Christian, but even as a Christian, how do you wish to be remembered? And I think about that, and I just think very simply, for me, I wish to be remembered as a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would love for that to, to be said of me. You know, we're, we're going to be remembered for something, and... Um, I want to live my life in such a way where that would be, would, that would be said of me. That he was just a, a true follower of Christ. And uh, we come to this passage in Acts chapter 1. Let's go ahead and begin reading in verse 12. The Bible says this, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which was from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, They went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zeltus and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. I want you to mark that expression, would you please, in your Bible? This expression, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, it's interesting, we don't find her here in a manger. We don't find her receiving this angelic uh, announcement in Nazareth. We don't find her traveling to the temple in Jerusalem. We don't see her and Joseph escaping the wrath of the king into Egypt. But we find her right in the midst of the disciples of our Lord. And I think that's interesting that the last thing the Bible has to say about uh, this lady is that she was a disciple. That's the last word given about her. You know, I think a lot of times because of the emphasis that some people and some religions place on the person of Mary, we tend to... uh, swing so far over here and neglect Mary. And sometimes we're afraid to even think about her or consider her. But I think that she was a faithful woman in Scripture, obviously. We'll see that. And I think that there's a lot, really, that we can learn from her life. And I want you to think of of the Holy Spirit as He truly is a person in the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I want you to think of the Bible as the book that he has written. We know that this is God's word. And in it, we find the choices that he has made, right? We have everything that we need right here in the word of God. And of course, it was penned under the inspiration of the spirit of God. And he chose that the last word to be given about this, this woman is that she is the disciple 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to give I want us to give our thoughts to that uh, this morning for just a few moments. Mary, the disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ, the disciple Mary, not the mother Mary, but the disciple Mary. The Bible says, and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. Now, if you look at a gospel record in Mark chapter six, and uh, we see here that in Mark six, Jesus is visiting Nazareth during um, his earthly ministry. And the Bible says, beginning with verse one, and he went out from thence, Mark chapter six, verse one, and came into his own country and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. All right, so he's teaching here in his, in his hometown, place he grew up. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? And then this, notice this in verse 3, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Now think of that. These are his, his brothers and his sisters. The Bible tells us that uh, his brothers were with him in that upper room in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. And they made their way to that upper room. Now remember the Lord Jesus ascended from uh, the Mount of Olives. And ten days later the Spirit of God came down. And that's where we read about the day of Pentecost and the, the wonderful things that happened on that particular day. And, of course, uh, the Holy Spirit came down to empower his, his followers and, and his believers to really empower Christians uh, forever. And Mary was in the midst of all that. Notice in Acts chapter 2, let's just read this account and think, okay, Mary was, Mary was here. Mary experienced all these things. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? And notice the list that God gives us here, Parthians and Medes and the Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, the parts of Libya about Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. It says, we do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Now, we understand these were known languages that were being spoken, these, these tongues that God gifted them with. The Bible says that every man heard in his own language, and Mary was in the midst of all that as a true follower of Jesus Christ. So I want to think about the, the disciple Mary. What does, it, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it truly mean to, to be a follower of Christ? You know, the Word of God says in Mark that Jesus came to Nazareth. And in his public ministry, we read that a moment ago, that they marveled at him. 
And he'd been working alongside them before his public ministry started around the age of 30. And uh, they knew that he was a carpenter. They'd seen him move about the village with his family, you know, with his mother and with his brothers and sisters. And they were shocked because of the things that he said and what he was doing. Now, remember, what was Mary doing during all that time? What would Mary have been doing? Remember, we have a glimpse of Mary after the manger. Then we have a, a glimpse of Mary after the wise men. We have a small glimpse of, of Mary in the temple with uh, the baby for certain purification. We have another glimpse of Mary and Joseph with their 12-year-old son. But then we have silence. We, we, we don't know much after that. All of this you know, fanfare and this strange going on. You know, you read the Christmas story and shepherds and wise men. We read about this evil intent of the king and the carrying forth of that evil intent. But now in Nazareth, here all those, those years, do you ever think she, if she wondered what was going on all those silent years? Watching her son grow up and, and, and knowing all the prophecies and all these things. I'm sure she thought about, okay, what, what, what's, what's happening here? And how patiently she waited, really, for the Lord to, just to do what he was going to do. You know, we don't hear from there for 18 years. That's a long time for a parent or a child. 18 years. And then he enters his public ministry, and she's engaged in his ministry. As a matter of fact, in the gospel according to John, just, just a glimpse here that might help us. Of course, the Lord Jesus here in, in this gospel is, is going to the cross to bleed and die for our sins. Notice what the Bible says in John chapter 19 and verse 25. The Bible says, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother. Think of that. I mean, Mary knew really what no one else knew. I mean, we, we, we believe in the virgin birth. We believe that by faith. We believe that, that Jesus Christ truly is the Son of God. We, we believe those things. But to think of Mary, I mean, she knew really what no one else really knew. And she's standing there. And she's watching her son die. So she was a follower of, of Christ. I'd like for you to write a few things down as we consider the discipleship of Mary and uh, maybe you could ask yourself these, these same things that we're going to talk about. Maybe you could say, are these, are these things evident in my life? And th- this isn't an extensive uh, talk about discipleship, or that's not really in the intent of the message. These are very basic truths that uh, we have to have these things if we're going to be true followers of Christ. All right, so here's the first one. Number one, she was converted. She was converted. Mary was a genuine believer. She knew Christ as, as her Savior. And, you know, you and I cannot be true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ unless we are truly converted. We have to be born again. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned, and we've come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. You know, we're, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Right? We're already sinners. Uh, we all know the story, the creation account. Of course, God created the world and everything in it. And he created Adam and Eve. And he set up these rules in the garden. And Adam and Eve broke a rule, right? They sinned. 
They ate from the tree. They disobeyed God. And so because of their sin, we are all born in sin. That's what David tells us in in the book of Psalms, right? In sin did my mother conceive me. Uh, He wasn't saying my mother was in sin when when, uh, she was uh, pregnant with me. No, he said, I myself, I in my mother's womb, I was a sinner. Separated from God. We're separated from God because of our sin. The Bible tells us in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Uh, that's what happened in, guard, in the garden, right? They didn't immediately suffer a physical death, although eventually they did die. And uh, eventually all of us will die, right, if the Lord doesn't come back. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, after this the judgment. But death came, spiritual death. We are spiritually dead. You know, the Bible says things like um, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. We're, we're lost. We're perishing. We're under God's wrath. We're condemned already. Uh, we are lost people. And thankfully, you know, this time of year, we think about uh, gifts and giving gifts. And I always enjoy, the older I get, I enjoy giving gifts more than receiving them. But the greatest gift that we could ever receive is the Lord Jesus himself. You know, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What is the gift? It's, it's God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that's, why, that's really why we celebrate. We celebrate his birth, but we think about, okay, why was Jesus born? Why did Jesus, why was Jesus, why did Jesus come to this earth in the first place? I mean, really the answer is he was born to die. Right, that's why he came. That's the only reason he came. He came to, because he loved us and he had to, to, to uh, make a way for us to be reconciled to him. And so the virgin-born son of God, uh, he was born. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross. He bled and died for our sin. He took our payment. And uh, he was buried and rose again. And if we put our faith in that, trust that, and just rest in that fact that it's not because of anything I've done, but everything, because of everything he has done, everything he's already done. We rest in that, and we have this great gift, this gift of eternal life. And Mary was converted. Uh, let's go back to where we first hear of Mary in the prophecy of Isaiah, and it'll be on the screen. You know, uh, we know that uh, today there are over 2 billion mothers in the world. Now, in Mary's day... I don't know. I'm sure there were millions of mothers uh, in the world in her day. Probably not billions yet. But no doubt, as Proverbs 31 says, she excelled them all. Right? She was a, an incredible person that God used to, to, to bring forth his son. She gave birth to the Savior. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Notice this, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, we read that verse and we think, and this might help us, we, we know that God is eternally present. All right, I think that clears up a few things in our minds when we understand that, that truth. God is eternally present and he deals with us that way. You see, we deal with, with him in the sense of what is past and what is present and what is future. But God has no past and he has no future. He's eternally present. And 
God here, the Bible tells us here, centuries before the birth of Christ and before the life lived uh, on earth by this Virgin Mary, God introduces her to us. I think that's amazing. You know, even if you're not a believer, all right, you, you, you don't even have to be a Christian, but just to, to research, okay, the history of the Bible and, and to see these prophecies fulfilled, that years and years before Mary was even born, God introduces her to us right here. Now, let's look at the gospel records when, when the Lord speaks to her about what he's going to do. Remember, she was converted. She was a, a, a believing Jew. She believed the promises of God. She had heard these prophecies, and she, she believed them. She understood what was going on, uh, you know, to send a Savior. And, and, and she's going to be this vehicle through uh, which God sends the Savior. You know, I, I have a love-hate relationship with the song, Mary, Did You Know? I like, the, I, like the, I like to sing it, but I think, yes, she did. I believe she did know, right? She, she did know who that was, and she knew some of these things that God was going to fulfill. But notice this verse here in Luke chapter 1, and I, 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 love, I love these two verses. Verse 46, and Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. Notice, she, she makes it personal here. Mary, his mother. She says, this is God, my Savior. You know, what, what do people know about you? What do people know about you? How are you bringing up your children, if you have uh, children? Uh, do, do, they, do they know you, do they know me as a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? I wonder, do people really know me that way? Uh, maybe you say, well, they know me as, as a mother, or I'm a father, or maybe I'm an engineer, or teacher, or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. But do they know us as a true follower of the Lord Jesus? Do they know you? I thought this was uh, just interesting and uh, humbling, really. And I don't mean to toot my own horn, honestly, because uh, I hate sharing things like this. But it was just interesting. Uh, I was at the gym the other day. Most of you know I work at a gym part-time in the mornings. And I sit at the front desk and answer phone calls and just answer people's questions and that type of thing. But oftentimes, uh, you know, I can bring things and, and work on them from the church. And so I always have books and my Bible out and all that. And this lady who I see her, I see her just about every day and uh, never really talked to her other than, you know, hey, good morning, you know, have a nice day. And never, never had a conversation with her. And just, just a few days ago, she was leaving and she had tears just come down her face. And she came up to me and she said, hey, I see you up here every morning reading your Bible and I need prayer. I need you to pray for me. And I thought, wow, man, that's, that's, uh, people watch, you know, people watch what you do. And um, it was a very humbling thing. And, of course, I said, yeah, absolutely, I'll, I'll, pray, I'll pray for you. But how do people know us? Do they know us as a Christian? Do, do people know I'm a believer? Do people know that, I, that I've truly been converted? They ought to know that by, by what we say, by what we do, and how we carry ourselves. And they ought to know that because they just they see God's hand at work 
in our lives. And these are so simple things. These are simple truths. And I think a lot of times we overlook the, just these simple things. You know, someone once told me uh, what is truly <clears throat> profound is always clothed in simplicity. And I think that's so true. You know, just the things that are truly profound and rear, rearing your children and just living your life, moving a child through childhood and adulthood, simple things, but profound. And we, we don't need to lose interest in those because, you know, this is where God begins. He begins with conversion. And uh, so I want to ask you this question again. Have you been converted to Christ? Have you been saved? Have you been born again? Uh, is, is God your Savior? That's what we see of Mary. She was converted. Number two, she was convinced. Not only was she converted, but she was also convinced about a lot of these things. Uh, let's talk about the process. Luke chapter 2, we typically read this passage during this time of year, the Christmas story. And uh, we always uh, make it a habit of before we uh, sit down to open presents, um, we gather around and we read from Luke chapter 2. We read the Christmas story together as a family. I'd encourage you guys to do that or do something along those lines. But we read about the journey they, they made. The moment, think of this, the moment that she would deliver. And they came to, to Bethlehem, which again was prophesied centuries earlier. This decree that was made by a Roman emperor that uh, they had to register and that they had to go here to the city. And this is exactly where Christ was going to be born at the right time. And we read about all these things, shepherds and a star and gifts and all of this. I want you to notice Mary's response. Luke chapter 2 and verse 19. And th- there's a lot in this verse and we don't even have time to, to unpack it all. But listen to this. But Mary kept all these things. And pondered them in her heart. Of course, it's talking about all these things that have led up to, you know, the birth of Christ. She kept all these things. And I think the, the best way to explain that is that she kept these great truths, you know, each of them. She thought about all these things. And she, in her heart, connected the dots. You know, she connected this event with this event. And then with the next event, and, and she, she thought about these things that happened, and she pondered them in her heart until she built this case where she was absolutely convinced that this was, this was of the Lord, right? This is the prophecy. This is happening. And she was convinced. You know, all of us have those, those ponderings, right? All of us have those thoughts uh, in our daily lives. You know, why did this happen? Why did God allow this to happen? And I think a lot of times we see them as disconnected. But I think it would be wise to really take some uh, lesson from Mary here and to keep these things and ponder on them and, and, and figure out, okay, what is God doing here? And let's connect these events. Let's connect these different things in our lives. What do you ponder about God's work in your life? You know, if, if you and I aren't careful, we can take the things that God intends for good and we can get an attitude against God from the very things that God intends for good. You know, God allowed this for a reason. And we have questions, right? And, and they're honest questions. 
you know, why do I have to go through this? Why this path? Why, you know, those are valid questions. But I wonder if we could see things as, okay, this, this was sent in some way for God to bless me. You know, God has great plans for my life. And uh, let's, let's learn from this, okay? And, and not, not see it as a disconnect. You know, I think a lot of times we, uh, uh, we just get, we get in trouble. We, we really get in trouble when we start to think we're owed something. Or maybe, you know, we think about our life and, okay, our life should go this way. This is how I want my life to, 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 to be laid out. And we have such high expectations. And when God doesn't meet our expectations, we begin to get this attitude against God as if maybe God hasn't been good to me. And uh, that's just not the way it works. It's a mystery. And think about, think about Mary. Think about the Christmas story. It's so strange. Just like I was saying earlier, it's just a strange way to save the world. Uh, we could not have come up with that. But Mary, she kept these things in her heart. She pondered them. She connected the dots. You know, think of Mary. She, she can think of, of Nazareth and an angelic announcement. Joseph and all the things that God did in his heart. Think of a, a mother expecting, even at this stage, to get on board an animal and travel to another city so many miles away to register and then getting there and not finding a place to have the baby that's decent, at least in most people's eyes. And then finding her, you know, finding her in just the most unusual place. And just think of all these things that, that were said. And think of how God had maybe, you know, had God had said something that she knew was in Scripture about the Savior and about Egypt and about the king and all these things that led up to them fleeing and running for their life and just how God protected them. And I mean, we could think of so many things in this Christmas story, but all these things she's, she's pondering, right? Why, why this entourage of wise, noble men? And why, why are they bringing these gifts and, and to, to this infant son and all these things? And that's what we need to do. She put them together. That's what we need to do. Put God's acts together in our lives and be convinced. Um, I want to show you a verse I think is very important. I love this passage of Scripture. I think it's one of the most important statements in Scripture. And I want to read this statement to you. Here in 2 Timothy, Paul is, is signing off, so to speak, and he's writing to his son in the ministry, Timothy. And uh, Paul is signing off this letter, and I, I hope God uses this to grip your heart like he has mine. Because the longer I live, I just I want to be convinced. Look at Second Timothy chapter three and verse fourteen. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and notice this, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Continue in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of. I think of a of an Old Testament example or illustration, if you will, of this when David. Uh, remember, David is now wearing the, uh, the armor of the army of Israel. He steps up to fight and, and they say, you know, hey, put on, put on this armor and you got to do this thing our way. And, and David even starts to go out and he says, you know what? No, I, I'm not going out in this armor. Do you remember what he said? He said, I'm not going out in this because I have not proved it. 
I haven't proved this. I have nothing in my heart that, that's convinced me that this gets the job done. But then he says, you know, I am convinced of something else. I'm not convinced of, uh, of the power of, of my sling or the accuracy of my throw. But he says, this is the Lord's battle and God himself will fight for me. You see, David was convinced Mary was convinced. You and I need to be convinced. And I think what that does is that gives us a certain boldness and a compassion with that boldness. When we can step back and see God's hand in our life and how God has put people and places and different things in our life to bring us where we are now. And, you know, some of us have let our minds grow weak. And some of these things should just be settled You know, we worry and fret over so many things. We get so emotionally upset about different things. And I'm not talking about anything like really deep, horrific, you know, near-death things. I'm not talking about that. But just every little thing imaginable that you hear people saying. You just get so upset. And I, I wonder sometimes, haven't we gotten convinced? Haven't we been convinced that God can use that situation to help me grow as a believer? Or God, God allowed this for some reason in my life? God, there's, there's a meaning to this. And I think sometimes we act like we're, we're, we're people who don't know God. And listen, listen to this. God is actively engaged and involved in our lives every day. You know, we may not recognize it and we may not understand it, but what a powerful truth that God himself is actively involved in our lives every day. And we need to step back like Mary did. Let's keep these things and let's ponder them. Let's connect the dots and say, okay, God, I see what you're doing here now. And um, it's just so wise. I think she she was just a wise person. The disciple Mary. Uh, you know, we think about in the first miracle. I love this. You know, the first miracle that, that's at least recorded. Um, you know, in, uh, in John chapter 2, the miracle of the water and the wine. And uh, do you remember what happened during that miracle and, or during that, that, that story? You know, they're at, at the wedding and they ran out of wine. Of course, they're running around frantic. Okay, what do we do? Do you remember what Mary said? Whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. You see, that, that sounds like a person that was convinced. This is God. What, what great advice. And it comes straight from the Bible. Whatever God says to you, do it. And uh, what, 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 a great, what a great lesson for us to learn. Great advice. She was convinced. Here's the last thing. So she was converted. She was convinced. And then number three, we see that she continued. She continued all through life, all the way to the cross. And now 40 days after the resurrection, she's right in the middle of these disciples that we're so familiar with. You know, when we think of a disciple in Scripture, we think of the 12 disciples, right? And we know them, but we, we often don't think of Mary. 
as being a disciple. But that, that's her place. This, this is what she was saying. I'm going to be a true follower. I, I am one of his true followers. And I'll continue to be a true follower. And uh, we all need that, that spirit that we're going to continue. Notice back, we looked at this verse, the very first verse we looked at, Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. Your Bibles may still be open to it. Notice what it says again. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. That means this. Mary, the mother of Jesus, continued in one accord in prayer and supplication with this group. Listen to this group. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus. Simon, Judas, the brother of James. That's not Judas Iscariot. And we see this list and we see, okay, she was with them. She continued. You know, if anyone really knew everything there was to know, humanly speaking, about the Lord Jesus, it would have been Mary. We've mentioned that already. It would have been her. But I think it's interesting. We, we don't get the story from that perspective. You know, it's interesting how God chose to do that or chose not to do that. A lot of people, you know, are curious about his childhood. And I, I just think, you know, there, there's no need for that. If, if God would have wanted us to know that, he would have put it in Scripture. But uh, he, he, he doesn't tell us everything he knows in, in, in this book, but he tells us everything he wants us to know. And I think people can get, can get so ridiculous sometimes, have these thoughts and ideas and presumptions about the childhood of Jesus. But God hid that for some reason. But in all that silence in Nazareth, we don't know what happened. We know that the silence was broken, right? Jesus walked many, many miles to the Jordan River to be baptized. He begins his public ministry. And then we come to this portion of Scripture. He's lived a sinless life. He's gone to the cross. He's bled and died for our sins. He was buried and he rose from the dead. And now he's spending time with his followers. And among them is Mary, his mother, the disciple Mary. She was converted. And I ask you again, have you been converted? Do you know the Lord? Uh, you know, we're, we're not going to have uh, an invitation this morning. I'm just going to pray here in just a moment. We're going to be dismissed. But if you're sitting here this morning and you say, you know what? I have never truly been converted. I've never had my, I've never uh, gone to him by faith and trusted him as my savior. Maybe that's you. Please do not, do not leave without knowing that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can have this free gift. It's the greatest gift you'll get. The greatest gift you can receive. So if that's you, you say, I'm not saved then please come, come see me before you leave today. Maybe you say, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm just, I haven't been convinced. Mary was convinced. You say, there's been a lot of things in my life that I've always had questions about. And maybe, maybe I've had some thoughts that, you know, God just, he doesn't care, hasn't been good to me. or That's just not true. And God can use that. And, and God can, can get you through that and help you. And if you say, that's me, I, I just man, I need to pray. Then I would encourage you to, before you leave, find someone there beside you. 
Maybe they brought you to church this morning. Just find someone there. Maybe they're a friend or family member. And say, hey, let's, let's pray. Let's pray about this. Or maybe you say, you know what? I just, man, I, I need to be encouraged to continue. I, I've been burned out and I've been thinking about stepping away and, and, and leaving or whatever the case may be. I just, man, I need to, I need to continue. And um, I hope we do. And that's, that's, that's really some basic things of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We have to be converted. We ought to be convinced. And we have to continue. Well, we're, we're going to pray together. And um, I'm going to dismiss you guys. Just remember, um, no evening service uh, tonight. And uh, we have the viewing for Nana down here at West Huntsville from 4 to 7 this evening. And then the funeral tomorrow at 11. Um, we won't have Wednesday, any Wednesday activities the next two Wednesdays because Christmas Day and New Year's Day. So keep that in mind too. All right, let's pray together. Lord, we just want to thank you so much for this day. And we thank you for who you are. And we're thankful for this holiday season that we set aside to really focus and think about your birth and why you came. And Lord, this is just the the greatest story ever told. It really is. And Lord, we we need to hear it. Um, Lord, lost people need to hear this story.